Welcome, welcome to the Blitz, where we're talking news, highlights, and fantasy from around the National Football League. Now, live from Baltimore, it's Brett Blum and Nate Pachado. Fellas, take it away. Here we go, here we go. Hey, all you kids and coaches out there, it's Brett Blum. And this is Nate Pachado. Welcome back to episode nine of The Blitz. The Blitz. We have a special interview edition here with Glenn Clark Radio of Pressbox Media. In Baltimore. We just wanted to say thank you again to Glenn for taking time out of his day to yes, thank step you, Glenn. on the show. We really do appreciate it, and it was a great interview, so we hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah, we talked about all things NFL, a lot of Ravens talk, a little bit of MVP talk. So definitely tune in, because it's a great one. And now, without further ado, let's get to the interview. Here's Glenn. I'm guessing you're watching this. Uh, Big Ben tweeted and said the Cowboys may be America's team, but we are the world's team. What are, what are you the world's team. Yeah, the world's team. Look, I, you know, I don't. I'm, I'm not surprised there are Steelers fans all over the globe who would actually want to stay and live in Pittsburgh. It's a truly horrible place. Um, <laughs> I, you know. Look, the reality is the Steelers do have fans all over the place. It is a combination of the fact that as much as we don't like to admit it around these parts, they have done an awful lot of winning throughout their history, and so they've become a brand for those reasons. But, you know, it's also just black and gold, the color scheme, the whole deal. The the Raiders have fans all over the place. If the Raiders were relevant, and and maybe they'll become relevant again, um, you would see more and more Raiders fans across the country in every game they go to. So, you know, I, Ben Roethlisberger is feeling himself right now. He's 8-0. He's almost certainly going to end up getting more significantly hurt at some point because that hasn't happened yet this season, and that's going to happen. I don't think that anyone fears the Steelers despite them being 8-0, but, you know, they've got that going for them. You can't take that away from them. They have won their games, and, yes, they have fans all throughout the country that show up um, and, and attend games and places, and so I – Ben Roethlisberger right now gets to run his mouth. The Steelers get to feel themselves. That's the way it goes until somebody shuts him up. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. I actually uh, I was going to build off that. Do you think the Steelers are one of the, I, I would say, few teams that's ever gone undefeated that has so many question marks? Because I just don't see them as being – they don't stand out to me despite the record as being this intimidating team. I feel like there was a Bears team a few years back that was like somehow still unbeaten near the middle of the season, and everybody was like, "No, come on!" But yeah, I mean, the, this deep in the season, I, I think it's rare that there's a team that's undefeated this deep into the season that nobody really buys into as a top Super Bowl contender. Look, I mean, if somehow something were to happen to Patrick Mahomes or the Chiefs, the Steelers are definitely among the Super Bowl contenders in the AFC. But right now, there's one team that's definitely the best team in the AFC, and then there's Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Tennessee, Buffalo behind them. So there's like four teams of which it just sort of depends on what your opinion is, who the best team of that next group is. But, you know, they're definitely not the best team in the AFC at the moment. You're right. There's a thousand questions about them. And, you know, I, I think coming into the season, we expected their defense to be world beaters, and like they're good, they're a good defense by 2020 standards, but they're not terrifying anyone defensively. And while they've got a bunch of playmakers on offense, they're not really all that good at running the football. And 
Ben Roethlisberger has been good, and certainly by the, based on what like our expectations were, there was a chance that it just might be over for him. Like he's, it's not over; he can still play the game, but he doesn't, you know, put fear into you. Or do you expect that he's going to, you know, light you up for 500 yards and five touchdowns, something along those lines? He's a still a good football player deeper into his career, and having gone through more injuries than maybe people expected. But yeah, they're not a they're not a terrifying team in any way. It's it's also it's crazy to look at. I don't know if you've seen the rest of the schedule, but it's kind of a cakewalk minus like Austin the Bills, which are winnable games, but also they can be quite right. I mean, they have the Bengals, they have Austin the Bills, and they can show the Jets, Buffalo, Washington, and the Bengals, which are easily probably won't all over the game. I think they're drawing fourteen and two, even fifteen and one. So what do you what do you think about the rest of the schedule? Yeah, I mean, that's the problem. The problem right now is if you're trying to figure out a way for the Ravens to win the division, it, it, you're hard-pressed on buying it. Like, it would require the Ravens probably to win out. I mean, obviously, they would have to beat the Steelers on Thanksgiving. There's no scenario where the Ravens can win the division without beating the Steelers on Thanksgiving. They must do that. It will probably require them to also win the Titans game and win out the rest of the way because, to your point, even if you give the Steelers the one loss to the Ravens on Thanksgiving in this scenario – where's the other one coming? And and maybe it's at the Bills. Like, that. that's certainly viable. That's a tough game on the road. And so let's say they happen to lose that game. Well, now you're only still talking about a tie, and, and we'd have to dive into the tiebreaker scenarios to figure out where it would go from there. But it, it it's hard-pressed. Like, it, you know, we're doing, talking a lot about the math to winning in the, the course of the last week in this country. And the math to winning the division for the Ravens is minimal. They have a very lean path to winning this division, they have to essentially win out. Even if they, say, lose the Titans game, you are really struggling with where it is the Steelers are taking a, a you know, even if you say, let's okay, perhaps they lose the Bills game, now you got to come up with a third loss somewhere on their schedule, and it's, it's almost impossible to do that. I know a lot of Steelers fans will point out that for whatever reason over the years, the Steelers have always been good for one really bizarre loss every season, and I think that a lot of us were... We're hoping that that was the loss that might have been coming yesterday. It didn't happen. So maybe there's still one on the schedule somewhere. This is still the NFL where goofy things occur. But realistically, you're hard-pressed. Like, I'll I'll point out, perhaps that trip to Cincinnati, right? Like, I, if Joe Burrow is still healthy, if that offensive line has not gotten him murdered at that point, the Bengals do appear to be a team that's coming together a little bit, that Joe Burrow's played good football. Like, that could be one that maybe is surprisingly tricky. Or even next week with the Bengals coming off the bye in Pittsburgh. Like, one of those two Bengals games, if you're looking for a game that could end up flipping things, perhaps one of those two games could end up being that story. But, yeah, it's you're hard-pressed fathoming a scenario by which the Ravens win the division at the moment. Yeah, man, look at their past. I mean, honestly, I feel like the Ravens would prefer in some ways to be like a wild-card team rather than, like, win the division. This is a... When they are um, a wild card team compared to like winning the division, so like they rather. I mean, obviously they want to win the division, but like if they end up being a wild card team, they probably wouldn't be too mad about that. Look, it's definitely if there was ever a year in which winning the division is or not winning the division wouldn't be the end of the world. This is most certainly that year. Not only are you talking about a year in which home field advantage means very little because, you know, there's very few fans that are going to be at these games, if any, in some circumstances, 
but you're combining that with the fact that only one team is going to get a bye for the first time ever. And so, again, barring anything unforeseen, we're assuming that's either the Steelers or the Chiefs. Like, we don't think there's much of a way that the Ravens could end up being the team that gets the bye anyway. And then there's even that, like, sort of crazy scenario that's been thrown about in which if not all teams are able to play all 16 games because of COVID, the NFL has this sort of contingency plan where they might let eight teams per league into the playoffs, in which case nobody's getting a bye. So if there was ever a year in which not winning the division isn't the end of the world, it's definitely this year. But I've heard the argument from like Ravens fans that because they've lost two playoff games at home the last two years, they'd actually rather the Ravens be on the road. I, I'm, I don't buy into that for a second. I, I think that those scenarios are sort of strange. The Ravens are going to have to learn how to win playoff games at home at some point. I think they would all, to a man, still prefer to be at home, even without the overwhelming crowd support and like sleeping in their own bed the night before. Football players like that type of stuff a lot. Um, it's weird that they've lost two playoff games at home, but I still don't think you want them necessarily to be playing on the road. This just happens to be the year where it's it's sort of not the end of the world. It's the least damaging year for having to play playoff games on the road. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, keeping on the Ravens, I wanted to talk a little bit about the game we just watched yesterday as well. Uh, going into this game, there's been the entire narrative of Lamar and the big game and him not being able to come through, perform, uh, whatever whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And it looked like for the first half of that game, it looked like it was continuing. That stagnation of offense, it was probably the worst half of Ravens offensive football I've seen um, in a long time. Maybe since That's really the bad. Bowler game. Um, yeah. But what did you think of that second half turnaround? Because it appeared the offense kind of came back after uh, after the break and just clicked. So it's a weird, like, you know, obviously the biggest thing that jumps out at you is the fact they went up tempo in the second half. They just came right out of the shoot and said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to move. We're going to push. That's going to be the way that things go. And I was talking to Gus Edwards about it today, and and Gus said, look, that's something we've been doing in practice since the beginning of the season. So when when that was the decision that was made, we were really comfortable going to it. And he was like, I think we should be doing more of that moving forward. And, again, considering how good they looked in the second half, I think we would all sit back and say, yeah, why wouldn't? you be doing more of that. Like you built a team based on speed and, and you know, having sort of track guys out on the field. Why wouldn't you be trying to go up tempo as much as possible? So you hope that it's a positive sign of them discovering something. It sort of makes you scratch your head about why they haven't been doing it more, but you hope that's a positive sign. I, I still think this is going to be an offense. that's going to be limited this season. Like this is, you can't, create your own narrative just because of something that happened a year ago. Look, the Ravens were incredible a season ago, but the reality was they lost Marshall Yonda and now they've lost Ronnie Stanley and they didn't really replace even Hayden Hurst. Like they don't have a third tight end on the roster. They still only have two downfield threats in the passing game as of right now. And I I think we've all seen a couple of positive signs from Devin Duvernay that make us want to believe that he can be that type of guy down the road, but he's not that guy today in the NFL. Defenses don't treat him that way. He hasn't accomplished that yet. So you're going to have to be limited. As good as Lamar Jackson is, as talented as he is, and as capable as we've seen him be, when you only have two real downfield threats, your offense is going to be limited, limited to an extent. You can't change that whatsoever. They need to run the ball. They need to be committed to running the ball. We saw that against the Steelers. Um, you know, again, gave you hope that that could be something that's coming. You see the up-tempo working against the Colts and another good defense. You have seen plenty of things that make you think they're capable of putting together a far more competent offense. But 
the inconsistency remains alarming, and especially in these scenarios that we're talking about, where like you're going to have to run the table to have any chance at winning the division. You know, the, this is not played like a team. They have not played like a team that you feel confidence in their ability to win all eight games down the stretch and just click at all times because the offense has been so wildly inconsistent. Yeah, for sure. And then staying on this game, I think arguably one of the turning points of this game was the turnovers, especially the Marcus Peters, was it there, seven, yeah. was it not? Sure. So do sure. you think there was no, no, not for not not a chance in hell that was an interception. I like I think it's nuts <laughs> that it was overturned, but I think it would have been nuts if if the call on the field had been an interception. I think it would have been nuts if it was upheld. Um, I'm still scratching my head. Everybody keeps talking about the third the the third step. I'm like, is nobody going to talk about the fact that the ball was moving? Like, is we just all doing a wacky bit where we're pretending like the ball was secured the entire time? Now, as I, I say this both ways, when Ravens fans whine about um, officiating and calls, it's the thing I say constantly. Like, this is such a dumb conversation to have. We've all watched enough football to know how this works. Yes, there are going to be calls that are going to either be questionable or blatantly bad that are going to go against you. And in the same way, there are going to be calls that are questionable or blatantly bad that go your way. This was a blatantly insane decision to um, overturn this call and turn it into an interception. But you don't apologize for that in the NFL. That's the way the sport works. Yes, ideally, you'd like for everything to be correct at all times, but there are 22 men on a football field um, trying to, and there's about a 1,000 rules in the rule book to try to understand everything. Um, it, it, you know, everybody that was screaming a week ago about the clock down the stretch and, you know, could the clock have been stopped because there was an injured player and that could have bought the Ravens another play? Well, are you whining about this one this week? Um, they, the Ravens got incredibly good fortune and took advantage of it, and that's the nature of football. You don't apologize for that afterwards. And, you know, like, yes, it's hard to credit Marcus Peters on that play, but credit, credit Marcus Peters because he came up with a huge, you know, forced fumble early in the game, and this Ravens defense has has proven themselves quite capable of getting – takeaways all season and the truth is that might need to be if they're going to have a chance at winning a Super Bowl they might have to be a team that's either scoring themselves on defense you know fairly regularly or setting up short fields fairly regularly throughout the course of the season because the offense has been so inconsistent they put a lot of resources on the defensive side of the ball they're going to get Marlon Humphrey back you know it looks like they're going to get Calais Campbell back here shortly they might have to be that type of defense this season that's that's scoring themselves or creating short fields to score and there's you know plenty of reason to think they're capable of being that type of defense they have shown you throughout the course of the season that they are happy to go attack the ball and try to get the ball out so yeah i mean it was a it was a goofy call but marcus peters has been playing well and his defense has been playing well and they've kind of earned those opportunities as the season has gone on yeah, the uh, the Ravens also have a guy on their sideline. They uh, they just brought in that knows a thing or two about uh, questionable catches. That being Des Bryant. Right, right, uh, right. To your point too, you just said that the Ravens really only have two passing weapons between Mark Andrews and then Marquise Hollywood Brown. Does Des add anything significant? Because I would say personally, he obviously he's not the answer. Um, but where do you think he fits in in terms of uh, the season uh, continuing? Yeah, Nate, I'm with you. I don't. I, he's not the answer. What is he? Hey, yeah, I'm really struggling with that one too. Um, I was talking uh, Evan Washburn, who does the games for CBS. He did yesterday's game. He and I had a conversation today, and he said, "Look, I'm convinced 
that they think he's something more than, you know, like a, a guy that's out there for a couple of snaps because the, the roster spot is too valuable otherwise. Like you can't give someone a roster spot that's that's a nothing wide receiver that would need to go to somebody who can also play special teams. Like if if you're if you're if you're not really involved as a receiver, your roster spot has to go to someone who has a special teams role and that's not going to be Des Bryant. So it was an interesting argument for why you believe the Ravens think there has to be something more coming in future weeks, but I'm not as convinced of that. I, I am more convinced that right now they're taking advantage of a, a year in which the rules allow them to bring up practice squad guys and saying, you know, we'll give this a shot and see what happens, but they're doing it without a ton of confidence, more of it being sort of a it-can't-hurt situation. I think there's a possibility that Des Bryant at some point this season like makes a big catch or something that that kind of justifies him being a part of the team. But the idea that he's going to be Des Bryant or that he's going to be a downfield threat, I, I, I really struggle with that. I, you know, he's in great shape. His game was not necessarily ever predicated on blazing speed. I still have every reason to believe that he can catch the football if it's thrown his way. I think he's going to do something. I think he's going to offer some sort of contribution, but I think that's going to be limited. I just don't, you know, I, I don't envision him as being someone that's a true answer to change this offense. And looking down the um, stretch of the, the rest of their uh, schedule, the Ravens do play Dallas. Yeah. You think Des? Makes yeah, that was. Yeah, that would that would be that would there would be something poetic about that, Brett. You're right. There would be something like really neat about that. Obviously, that's that's not the game that tariff. You don't necessarily need Des Bryant in that game unless uh, you know uh, uh, Gilbert Gottfried or whoever the f was playing quarterback for the Cowboys yesterday is suddenly going to become a thing. Um, no, I like yes, there would be something like fun about that. There'd be something special. It'd be a great story throughout football, but. Um, you know, the, the Ravens need somebody to help them beat the Titans in a couple of weeks, especially if the Titans, you know, learned how to play defense yesterday. And I'm not sure of that. But, like, if they've got to win a shootout in Nashville in two weeks, they they need somebody that's going to step up then um, and, and probably on Thanksgiving against the Steelers as well. Like, they that's they need to find something. And, and Willie Sneed's had some moments. And, I, you know, I, I feel like I discredit Nick Boyle when I say there's only two threats. Like, Nick Boyle's just not a downfield threat necessarily. He's extremely good at, at catching those intermediate passes and the underneath stuff, and he's very reliable, and obviously he's an outstanding blocker. I mean, he's one of the best blockers the Ravens have had, you know, in the last decade. But, um, you know, he's just not a downfield threat. They've got to find a way to get another downfield threat in the mix, and, you know, you're, you're struggling with where that's coming from at this point. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I also wanted to take a step back, just kind of like a general look around the NFL. Um, everyone yeah. always is interested in the MVP race. Uh, it's always a big thing. Obviously, last year, Lamar was the unanimous one. Uh, yep. We we ran a little poll on Twitter between four quarterbacks, uh, them being Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, and then Kyler Murray. Uh, we had a 60% uh, win for Russell, but I just wanted to get your yeah. take on who you think is the current MVP leader. So coming into this week, I don't think there was even a debate. I think before the games this week, it was Russell Wilson going away. Um, obviously, he did not have his best game against the Bills, which was a little surprising. But I, I would still say at the moment, it's probably Russell Wilson. That being said, we had an inter- we had a, a fun conversation about this on my show today, guys, where where uh, Kyle Ottenheimer brought up the idea 
that Patrick Mahomes might be being graded on a curve, right? Like that it's almost the LeBron James argument in the NBA where you might truly, everybody on the planet knows that Patrick Mahomes is the best football player in the world. We all know that. And in that way, it almost makes it difficult for him to win MVP because like we're, we're, we're a little bored by it, right? Like, Oh, so Patrick Mahomes is great. Well, that's who he is. He's great. We always know he's great. It, maybe there's a baseball equivalent to Mike Trout there um, where like, it just doesn't catch our eye the same way because we we've seen it so much. I, I think there will probably end up being an argument at the end of the year if Mahomes stays healthy that you're going to look at his numbers and everything he did and you're going to say, well, Patrick Mahomes was the best player in the NFL this year and and somebody's going to make an argument as to why that should make him MVP. I think we default to Russell Wilson because it, it seems like he has less that he's working with. Um, DK Metcalf is probably the best receiver he's ever had during his time in Seattle, that being said. Like, he's unbelievable, that dude. So, I I don't know. I struggle with this a little bit because I do think that we might not be being fully fair to Patrick Mahomes. But, I I mean, Russ, yesterday aside, had been nearly flawless this season and I think remains the answer as of right now. Yeah, for sure. And then going back to the Ravens for a second, their next three games are arguably – their three toughest games this season. But I guess they got New England at New England. Well, well the, the two after that are. Let's let's yeah, not yeah, let's not kid ourselves into thinking. <laughs> yeah, stop. Yeah. <laughs> at New England versus the Titans and Pittsburgh. So those three games really. I was just gonna ask. Look, the, the season games. the season comes down to those two games. The season comes down to those two games. I I'm not. Look, this is still the NFL, and that's still Bill Belichick, and and who knows? Like the Steelers did, or sorry, the Patriots did look competent and and good before Cam Newton got COVID, and I think a lot of people have wondered if maybe that can return at some point if if he was still link dealing with anything that was lingering. But you're not seeing anything right now that 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 leaves you afraid of the Patriots next week at the moment. But the the regular season comes down to those two games after that. And, and, and not like they could, there is certainly a possibility the Ravens could lose both those games and still get into the playoffs and still have a chance. I think in terms of us believing that the Ravens are a Super Bowl contender, they're going to have to win at least one of those games for us to buy. If the Ravens lose both of those games and even win everything else the rest of the season, they're going to finish 12 and four, 12 and four is really good in the NFL. Like that's, that's an impressive record. Um, you've, you've accomplished something if they, you know, obviously they wouldn't be the division winner, but they'd likely be the top wild card at 12 and four, 12 and four is, is, is amazing in the, in the national football league, but yet we'll get to the playoffs and no one will think of the Baltimore Ravens as being a Super Bowl contender at that point. They, they, they have to prove that they can beat the best teams in the NFL. And this season They've had two chances so far, and they're 0 for 2 against the Chiefs and Steelers. And if they end up going 0 for 4 in those games, then unlike a year ago, like a year ago, we went into the playoffs genuinely believing the Ravens, you know, could absolutely win the Super Bowl because they had proven it by going to Seattle and beating the Seahawks and by beating the 49ers, who would end up winning the NFC. Like they, they got the job done against really good teams a year ago. Now, that didn't matter. They lost their first playoff game, and so it was irrelevant. But in terms of there being a belief that the Ravens can win the Super Bowl, they've got to win at least one of those games, if not both, 
um, for there to be that amount of confidence in what this team is capable of doing. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I think that's uh, that's all the questions I yeah. have for you. Hey, you good? Yeah, I think we're uh, I think we're good. I just want to say uh, awesome. thank you again for taking your time to answer our questions. Yeah, th- we uh, really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Nate, Nate, Brett, I'm I'm proud of both of you guys and everything you're doing, man. Um, well, thank you. I've thank always you. appreciated the the work that you did for us here, and uh, looking forward to seeing what's next for you guys. But uh, I had a lot of fun with you, man. Uh, by all means, give me a buzz whenever. All right. We will. Awesome. Yes, it. we appreciate it. <laughs>